three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of the Nick of Time podcast. I have a very special one for you. Uh, it's been a long time since I've done one of these. Well, not too long, but it just gets harder and harder with time. But I promise I will not stop doing them. They're therapeutic. They're amazing. And I love having people on that we can shed light on positive things and just talk about life in general. Today, I have a very special guest by the name of Lyra Gibbs. She was on my sister flight in basic training way, way long ago when we first joined. And here she is now stationed overseas. I don't even know where she's at. She's always moving around. But Lyra, the floor is yours. If you want to tell people a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, guys. Um, obviously, like you said, I'm Lyra Gibbs. Um, I'm actually stationed here in Belgium, kind of in the middle of nowhere. I've been moving from like country farmland to like country farmland. Um, I've been in the Air Force for a little over five years. So the same as Adam said, it's been, we've been in this ride for a while. <laughs> we kind of moved from each base. We kind of, we split up after Spengdom in Germany, but we were together for a minute. Um, Almost four years. years. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I still think that's crazy. Like how all of us kind of just followed each other everywhere we went. Yeah, it's definitely very slim odds. I feel like, um, especially because we all at the like tech school team, which is our job training, there were so many of us. So like the odds that you got to, you know, follow somebody or people that you knew. And that was also such a relief too, because I remember getting to Korea and anybody else that goes overseas or even stateside, it is like, for me at least it was very like hectic you know because you don't you don't at least we knew people imagine like not knowing imagine going to a base by yourself you know what i mean like yeah, going <laughs> if Choi wouldn't have been Korea. there yeah you know so that's if pretty crazy to think. <laughs> who spoke korean and knew and got there before everybody else so he was super comfortable he was but, on that flight with me that day because as soon as I landed I was like I don't know what I'm doing I, was <laughs> like, what, I, I can't do this I was like I need to get back on the plane I have to go <laughs> <laughs> well funny experience about my first flight to Korea um, it was so bad because I feel like everybody got like to fly directly onto base or at least most people and I was not one of those people. They put me on a plane, DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth, all the way to Incheon. It was an 18-hour flight. And it smelled like kimchi, which if y'all don't know what kimchi is, it's like cabbage, like raw cabbage. Um, and basically kimchi and like manure. It was it was the most disgusting. Because after so, after so long, everybody on the plane, it was a full plane too. And I'm like one of, what, four Americans probably. And then they serve noodles on the plane. So it's like everything just smelled. I was just like, oh, man. I was like, get me off of this. Get me off of this vessel, please. And I remember landing. And they lost my bags, right? And I'm like, thank God I was I was super blue and a very good like person that paid attention. 
because I had an extra set of uniform. I literally had no bags, like day one. And I had to buy some like BX clothes. It was pretty, it was pretty terrible, but I'll never forget that. And I couldn't imagine doing that. And like you guys, because y'all got there before me, like and nobody else being there. You know what I mean? Like imagine going through that process and then just like open by myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and the funny thing is now me and Sanlin, Sanlin, who is like kind of like our in-processor when we first got to Korea, we're like, you know, really tight now. He said he doesn't remember any of us. I asked thousands of times. He doesn't remember none of us. He was like, there's too many of y'all and I was too drunk. <laughs> I'll never forget him honestly <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was our first time but uh before we continue I kind of wanted to start from the beginning though because I was really I mean obviously we got close in Korea but I was thinking about and it's kind of it's kind of wishy-washy because I usually have a good memory about this stuff but when we were in basic training <laughs> I remember it will let me explain, I guess, to the people who aren't in the military. When we were in basic training, Larry Gibbs was part of my sister flight, which in boot camp, basic training, whatever you want to call it, um, for the Air Force, you have either a brother flight, a sister flight, or both. And we didn't have a brother flight. So we shared all of our like curriculum with our sister flight, which was obviously sister flight is all females. And then brother flight is all males so wherever they were in class we were or whatever we were doing like we were just always doing everything together except for we just had separate uh rooms to sleep in and uh i would never forget uh being in like the classroom <laughs> trying to stay awake and i look up and everybody else is like like falling asleep or whatnot and gives like literally no no like not a single like f was given it was like you know what if i get caught i get caught i don't care <laughs> just like racked out like directly and you always like sat in the middle didn't you i feel like yeah because that's where my the letter G yeah in that's where i fell i was always in the middle <laughs> and then uh yeah just over time i felt like we all got closer brother and sister flight but there was obviously uh some people who felt violated I don't exactly remember the story but I would love to hear it from your perspective because I don't think we ever really discussed this where there was a guy on my brother flight who was uh real uptight a really uptight dude uh but he was good looking and I don't think he knew he was good looking um and this girl was trying to flirt with them, you know what I mean? Everyone's yelling or hormones are raging and he just was not having it. But he never like, I don't think he did a good job of explaining that he didn't want anything from anybody. And then I never forget, he was like, that girl touched me and not anywhere on the private parts or nothing. And um, he said, you know what? I'm going to tell the NTI, which is our like instructor, right? And I was like, hey, man, I was like, if you do feel violated, I mean, for sure, I mean, tell them. But, I mean, did you try to talk to her about it? Did you tell her? And he was like, that shouldn't matter. 
And I'm like, you're not wrong, but, you know, do your thing. Do you remember that? When y'all got screamed at? (laughs) I do, because... Like, it, it, it's, like, vague because we got screamed at every single day for <laughs> something. You can't just put, like, 25 yeah. females in one room together without us <laughs> arguing about something. <laughs> but, honestly, I don't think there was a way for him to be able to talk to her because we were kind of never yeah. in a setting where we could just have a conversation with a guy yeah. and a girl without... yeah. Well, I, 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 oh, I remember, I think it happened when we got, uh, it was a gasp. Uh, I think it was that day. Cause it was right before we were all going to get, um, uh, I don't even remember what it's called. I'm I obviously gasped, but not tear gas, but whatever the gas chamber. Yeah. That's what it was, which was not fun by the way, but I have a funny story about that, but we were all getting ready to go into the gas chamber. But before that you're waiting in these big groups. And that's when it was us and Sister Flight. Why? Because Sister Flight does whatever we do. And he was talking to this girl. And obviously, there was people around. They weren't alone. But I think she, like, I don't know. I think she, like, just, like, felt on his shoulder or something. Like, ha-ha, you're so funny. Like, one of those, like, cliche, like, ha-ha. You know? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, too. Yeah. And uh, And I think that's what happened. But he just, like out of nowhere just like she touched me bro and I'm like it's okay man like like I mean if you do feel violated I mean I'm not gonna stop you but the reason why I remember that so distinctively was because when y'all got chewed out we could hear it which usually we couldn't hear like anything that was going on I was doing but I'll never forget that like who was the one that did it was it a female was that our female instructor or was it a guy um, so she was the one that was filling in. I don't know if she's even in the military now, but this lady was mean. <laughs> she was mean. <laughs> when I tell you, all of us were like, because that's when our other MTI got, like, she was getting moved to, like, an early oh, yeah. that was coming in. And this I lady remember walked that. to the door, and all of us were just like, oh. <laughs> I feel like I feel like us specifically. I don't think we've had we had one TI like throughout the whole thing. You know what I mean? And we always had a different one too. Yeah. I feel like it was everyone. And then at one point, like it would be just be one MTI for both brother and sister. And yeah, that's funny. Well, just to come back to that gas chamber real quick, I'm going to see if you have any funny stories. But for the people out there, this is my experience in the gas chamber. So what they do is they have you in this gas mask and, like, you know, the whole shoot, whole shebang. And uh, they obviously put you in the chamber, right? You have the people in there uh, getting ready. Or, I don't know if they're instructors or not, but um, getting ready to, you know, turn on the gas, basically. But before they did that, they like were like jumping jacks, burpees, all this stuff. <laughs> so we're smoked, right? And we're sweating, like, because we have this can gear on and it's hot. It's in the middle of summer because we went through in what, July? So it's like late yeah. July. It is yeah. hot. <laughs> 
and uh, our pores opening, which makes it worse for the gas, right? So they're like, take off your mask. They take off your mask. And this guy couldn't even do the jumping jacks. He was like pretty out of shape, right? And uh, the same guy was like, before we could all leave, and I'm at the back of the exit. So I'm like one of the last people to leave. But this guy is also one of the last people to leave. He's in front of me. <laughs> and it, it made my gas chamber experience worse, but it was worth it because I was crying already from the gas. So I was crying of laughter because it was like, he was like, say the Airman's Creed. And the Airman's Creed is really long for those of y'all that don't know. But all you had to do was say like three words, right? And he was like, <laughs> I can't even, I can't even keep a straight face. He was like, ah! and he was making this like, I don't know what, I don't even know how you project that sound, like how that comes out from that situation. But he was like, ah! and I'm, I'm in front of him crying, like I'm laughing, like how you're laughing right now. And then the gas is just, <laughs> so I'm like, so now I'm choking laughing and I'm like, and I said, hurry up. I was like, hurry up, because I couldn't breathe. And he's like, Airman! And, and I, I was like, dude, I'll never forget that experience. It was probably one of the funniest things that's ever happened. And I don't think I've ever told anybody that either, now that I think about it. But yeah, you have any uh, funny, basic military, basic training, funny stories that come to mind? If you remember when we went to, what was it like? What was it called when we had the training that was out at um, like in the middle of nowhere in Texas? Bullets. Beast Week. Okay, yeah, yeah, Beast Week. Okay, yeah, 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 for sure. I was thinking. So I don't know if you remember, like all of us were going through the training, and then like the next day, they're like everybody needs to, everybody needs to gather around and pay attention. I'm like, <laughs> what did we do now? <laughs> And they're like, they're like, you airmen, men and women will not be found inside the same um, like porter potties at oh. any time. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, no, no woman on woman, no male on male. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I, was like, what? I was like, what is going on? And then later on, everyone finds out that there is these two people, like two guys in yeah. the freaking porter potty. And I was like, that's crazy. I'm like, y'all. Yeah, that was an experience too, right? Wasn't it? Beast Week is basically our exponentially like outside training. What you would see like, you know, on movies, uh, obstacle course, you know, boot camp, that kind of stuff. And um when I think of Beast Week, I just, I only think about one thing and one thing only. Or well, I think about two things. The first thing that comes to mind are those showers, right? I get it, right? You're in the military, be tough, all these showers. But it wasn't even that. It was the fact that there was no, like, drainage system. And like I said, we went to Beast Week late July. It's pouring rain and hot outside. And it's, like, super humid. Instead of like it, that, the sun beaming, it would like rain and then the sun would come out and just be humid. And I remember being in the showers because I was part of that detail that like made sure when the guys were showering, the girls didn't come in, vice versa, et cetera, et cetera. And I just remember like you had to like change in the shower and it was just the ground was like soaked, you know? And it was like, like the not air like. Was so wet. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was just soaked and like the there's dirt all everywhere like you were not really getting clean we were just kind of wiping off a little bit of sweat you know what i mean so that's the first thing that comes to mind and the second thing that comes to mind is when it started raining they made us build a, a drain a drainage system right we were digging with shovels and where we were at the ground was so hard even in the pouring rain the ground it was like digging rock like solid rock because you know that dirt that just is not it's not it's solid it's not soft you're not talking about the mud (laughs) i was like (laughs) (laughs) and then like it's raining and i'm sweating like sweating profusively sweating because of how hot and humid it is and I was like, this is not cool, man. Like, I would have just rather have been hot and sunny. But that's so funny. Yeah, Beast Week was Beast Week was something else. And then we go to tech school after Beast Week. I mean, I don't know after Beast Week. After boot camp, we both graduate. We go to tech school. And <laughs> I, I try to lay low, as I always did, which I try to do in boot camp. But that doesn't really work out that way. Um, and then you became a group. Yep. And I was voluntold. I feel like everybody likes to think that I signed up for the job, but that definitely wasn't me. So I'm going to tell that story. When I was in tech school, I tried to lay low and just like, you know, let me get by and do my thing. Well, one of our ropes, which is like, I guess, our leader, leaders, there's like two or three of them, three or four of them. <laughs> Out of 80, what, there was like 80 and 90 of us in the class, right? Something yeah. like that. There was a lot of us. Um, well, you signed up for it initially, and two of them got fired. And everybody thought that I was just like the perfect person for the job. This was after about two or three weeks in tech school. And I was like, oh, no. And then one day after, after like a whole day of training, the MTL, which is like our training instructor like pulls me to the side me and Boyd right shout out to Georgie and they're like you're all gonna be the new ropes and I was like no 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 I was like why it was just unnecessary pressure that I didn't I didn't want but I was like okay cool whatever I was like it's not like I could change it now and I think from that experience I think you and me have (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some of the funniest stories as far as me being a rope and telling you I quote telling you what to do and how to do it we used to put this man through hell because <laughs> all, all you have to do is be quiet and we just we couldn't do it we just had to crack jokes <laughs> so like uh, he would so we had like formations at nighttime for accountability and the ropes have to go around, kind of walk around, make sure no one's talking. And I don't know, it was, it was my friend uh, Henderson. She was always standing right next to me because our alphabetical order came right there. And then there was Humphreys that was right behind us. <laughs> we were the three main people. <laughs> and Humphreys said something to us. And so we started giggling. And, <laughs> Here comes Adams. He's like, which one of y'all were talking? 
And then we were, as we were, had these gigantic smiles on our faces, like no one was talking. <laughs> and he's like, y'all need, to, y'all need to be quiet. And we couldn't do that to save our lives. Yeah. And I really did not care. Like, I know I would come up, but the only reason why I'd come up and say something was because other people that, like, would not talk, like, that would be disrespect. I didn't want to disrespect them, you know what I mean? Just walk past y'all. I knew y'all were talking, and I didn't really care, but I had to say something out of respect for other people to be like, hey, like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to enforce it on everybody. I know you're not talking, man, but... That's why I would just stand right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you'd be like, you just be looking at me. You just be looking at me. And I don't think, I, th- I think any 341 that I ever pulled, I never turned it in. Like, I think I pulled like Kings once and a few other people, but I never, I didn't even, I, nah, not even close to ever like hear MTL. You know what I mean? Like, what is I going to do? Dang, a little that's, that's piece crazy. of paper. You could have gave it back so I didn't have to do work <laughs> writing my general orders on another one. Nope. That was your punishment for <laughs> that was your punishment for for uh making my life harder, you know. <laughs> That's what you get. But yeah, those those were those were good times. I feel like tech school definitely met a lot of people that uh, I'm still friends with today. I mean, yours truly, obviously. Then we get to Korea, and Korea was something else. I think. I think when I look back on Korea, I think I learned the most. I I, I think I grew up the most because I did. I was just young. Oh, we were young, dumb, always just partying. You know, I feel like we always had to be doing something compared to now. It's like, and I know you know, it's like that. I just be chilling. You know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll have my fun here and there, but for the most part, I'm I'm cool with, with kicking at the crib, especially by myself, you know what I mean? I feel like in Korea, it was like, oh, I want to hang out with everyone, you know, I want to hang out with the, with the homies and my friends. I don't think I don't I'm know. ever alone fully <laughs> one day. Nah, never that. But that's awesome. So you're in a... Belgium now how do you like that is that a good experience it's um it's it's different especially you're a K- are you at kb no it's all it's called chevres okay so it's technically an army base so we work hand in hand with the army mm. which the army is a whole different If you're in the army and you're listening, no, no offense, but y'all are crazy. I bet crazy. I can imagine. So how many cops are out there? It can't be too much, right? Oh, there's only five of us. Okay. I was like, dang, that's crazy. That's literally it. It's like most of us are senior men, and then we have a master and that's above us. Kind of should have a staff, but our staff uh PCS, so there should mm. be another one coming in in October, but who knows? He's trying we'll to stay in Korea longer. No, uh, wow, that's crazy. That, like, we're really just, um, we're just one big uh, ISART. So with, that's just inter- uh, internal security for the flight line. The Army mm. just does everything else. 
Oh, that's dope. That's kind of crazy how they decided to do it that way. But I guess it makes sense. It sounds like a Gucci gang. I hope you enjoy it, especially because of security and not so much law enforcement. <laughs> you don't have to do, deal with any of that. Yeah, it's really, that's it. We don't even, like, for an active shooter, security forces the main people to be running the entire thing. We're supposed yeah. to be like everyone else and just hide and barricade ourselves in something about just our training it's, that doesn't sit right with me because I can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't yeah. just sit there and do nothing. Yeah, and I feel that. Awesome. Well, that's dope. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Glad you're doing good. It's always good to catch up and whatnot. Uh, I really been wanting to talk to you about this because uh, I know you've been popping lately for sure. You know what I mean, sis? Working out. Talk to me yeah. about that journey because I've known you for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've always liked to you know, be active, be fit and stuff. But that wasn't always the case for you, was it? No. <laughs> no, no, no. I could, I would go work out only if someone made me. Yeah. And then even then, I really didn't want to do it. But honestly, it just, I think it, it changed in when I was in Spain. But I try to stay consistent, but the fact that the gym kept getting closed down, mm -hmm. and then once I came back from leave, once I got here, after I got a quarantine and everything, it was really just like, like, man, I'm tired of being tired, going up the stairs, like, out of breath, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't Yeah, for this. sure. And then, like, I ended up getting this scale, like, it, it kind of breaks down everything, it's probably not super accurate. But then at the end, it gives you your body's like age. And it was like, it added like three years to my life. And I was like, oh, see, this isn't going to work. I started just like, I kind of made up my own like push pull days. But then now I'm on this program um, from this guy that I found like he has pretty good reviews and like good results and stuff. So I've been doing that right now. It's honestly, that's, it's a good program. That's good. I know, I know it takes a lot for, I guess, a person to be humbled and not just working out. Like this happened to me with like more so like my faith, you know, I, I got here and I was like super depressed. Um, and not because of anybody like, not, not because of necessarily outside factors, but I had chased so much that I thought I wanted now that I had it. It was just like, I basically got humbled and I like reconnected myself with God and like legit dug deep, but it took a down spiral to come up, right? And I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about when it comes to working out. It's like, I was like struggling to go up the stairs. Okay, this is not going to be, no, we're not doing this, you know? So to piggyback off of that, what do you think? keeps you motivated now because no matter what but I've worked out for a while but since I was like in like the sixth grade so we all have our you know peaks and valleys what keeps you motivated now I think it's the fact that um I've seen so much so many results like I've I've just started to feel better like 
I feel like I have more energy and it's just, and it's like, it's nice. Like when people have started coming to me, they're like, Hey, what do you do for workouts? Blah, blah, blah. So that's going to make me. And they're like, Oh, can you go to the gym with me? So it's like, if I say yes, like, I'm not going to bail out on these people and not go to the gym. Yeah, for and, sure. But I still have those days where I'm like, <laughs> I really got to get up to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> no we we all do we all do i remember in korea it was that was probably it was probably my like my turning point as far as going from a working out going from a valley to a peak because i was just like always working out but we were always going out so it was like one day i was just like dude i'm done i think it was like halfway it was like at a halfway point because i didn't take a i guess a midterm you know i went the whole way through so when everybody else was on leave and like I think Wagner was on leave I was like dude I'm gonna use this time and I'm not I'm not going out I'm not doing none of that and I would like go to the gym every day even on work days working 13 hour shifts you know and I remember just waking up and I was like oh oh I don't want to (laughs) go but then it got to a point where it was like I'm already gonna get up so and I'm already gonna be tired so I might as well you know get up and go and yeah definitely have had ups and downs I don't think it's ever been you know just flat out I'm motivated but I do want to say this to all the people listening out there and uh this is a kind of words from Jocko Willink paraphrasing a little bit but when you talk about like you know overload and working hard when it comes to working out and whatnot and just being disciplined no matter what kind of discipline it is just don't take today off. And what I mean by that is listen to your body. You know what I mean? If your body says you need a break, hey, take that break, but don't take today off. And the reason why that's so important, I believe, is because we shouldn't let our minds confine to the first thought, right? Because the first thought is what? Lay back in bed. What is the first thought? I don't want to go to gym. I don't want to eat chicken and broccoli or whatever the case, you know what I mean? Whatever that first thought is. So to everybody listening out there from the people that, you know, inspire me, don't take today off. If you need tomorrow, Hey, by all means, take it, but don't take today off. Also, it's, it's never too late to start. Never too late. That's fact. I used to let that stop me. I was like, ah, it's too late. I can't, I can't do it now. No, it doesn't have to be the beginning of the year. It doesn't have to be. No, you start when you want to start, you start when you need to start, when you feel like you're at a good place to start. Even when you feel like you're not just, just get out of bed and do something. It doesn't have to be actually going to the gym, go for a walk, go like, go like out just go out and just be active like you don't have to just sit inside for sure oh you said it you said it very well the first step is always the hardest you know what i mean but once once you take that step momentum momentum is a monster you know and there's a lot that you can do with that i try i try to tell um one of the guys not my direct troop but one of the guys that was under me that I was working out with him consistently all the time, or actually I was working out with multiple of them. But one of the main guys that really came to me was like, hey, 
you know what I mean? Can I hop on with the program you're doing? So that was like, yeah, for sure. I don't know if you've seen them. Like, you know, yeah, that's, uh, we would, every day we were going hard, we were going at it. And uh, he had a, he struggled with cardio, you know, uh, but he, he's been working at it. And one of these days, not one of these days, but a day in the past where he had like a mock PT test where we had to run a mile and a half. I remember he was struggling and he was puking, right? And I told him, I said, I understand how much that hurts and I understand that you're trying. So I'm not, I'm not mad at you, but hear me out. Just hear me out, right? Have you ever seen anybody puke standing up? He was like, yeah. I was like, so the difference in the mentality of I got to stop, put my hands on my knees, look at the grass and puke, and the difference between like, like just walking, you don't even have to run, but just your feet are still moving and like throwing up on the side. Like the difference between those two mentalities, that has nothing to do with your physical ability because anybody can walk, right? If you get tired, walk. Okay, cool. I'm just going to puke and throw up on the side while my feet are still moving. And I told him, I was like, that's a testament of like how strong your mind is, right? If you do got to puke, hey, yak it, but you can yak and keep those freaking Lamborghinis moving. You know what I mean? That's true. So I don't know. It's just a little things. Like you said, even if it's not something big, like going to a gym, those little things make a difference and they add up for sure. Second way, uh, I see I can't even talk. Segue into the little things making a difference. We haven't really like spoke spoke in a while, um, but I was curious and uh, you know, this is kind of like, if there was a main topic, which I don't have on this podcast, but if there was a main one, it's definitely mental health. We'll segue into that. Talk to me about that. How you doing mentally? Honestly, better than a couple months ago. Honestly, just like, I think it's the thing of quarantine and COVID that's just really been like things being shut down. I'm very, sometimes it may not seem like I'm a very social person, but. <laughs> but you are, you are. I, I feel like you're more. Yeah. I'm very, you can come to me about anything. It may not seem like it, just do it. Please just do it. My face will change. Um, but <laughs> honestly, yeah, I mean, everyone's going to struggle with mental health. Like, that's where resiliency comes in. Like, especially, I mean, no one's going to know this really, but back in Spangal, like, I got in, I got in trouble. And I literally went from an E3, which is an A1C, I literally went all the way down back to the bottom. When I tell you I was like this close to like our commander, he asked, he was like, he was like, you can just get out right now if you want to. And I was like, I had like two seconds to think about it. I thought about it and I was just like, you know, no, no, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to let something like this, like literally just take over my mind. Sure. And I literally, I have not stopped working till that day to gain back everything like it's been a process but it's working like I think that's what really made me 
resilient. So when I do go through something that's really bothering me, I just think about how I overcame something like that, that most people would have just, they, they would have just given up at that point. No, for sure. That's a, that's a, that's a great story. And um, I'm so proud of you that you have came back from that. And I love to hear that you're doing good. I remember when I was, I'm trying to think, I was on leave back in Texas, my hometown. I was still overseas at the time. I want to say, if I think this was, this was right before, didn't know. I might have been the leave right before Turkey. I'm pretty sure it was the leave right before Turkey. So I was getting ready to leave Spring Dom and I took, no, because I didn't take leave. I went straight there. So I took leave in December, um, the beginning of December. Unfortunately, I came back and wasn't able, excuse me, to stay for Christmas. But I PCSed out of Germany in February, but I took leave in December for like 10 days. And I uh, went home and my best friend Dayton, when I would make these flights, always picked me up from the airport in Odessa, which is a very small airport. Where I remember I was on my way back and the flight got delayed to the next day because DFW, there was big storms, right? Um, that pushed everything back a day. And then it got pushed back, uh, not another day, but it got pushed back from a morning flight to evening flight. Uh, so I stayed at my friend's house, Dayton, and then he dropped me off the second time. And I remember I didn't do this the day before, but that day I remember he dropped me off. He was like, all right, all right, brother. He's like, you know, dap him up. Our usual goodbyes, which, you know, you and me are definitely used to. Uh, anybody else that uh, does a lot of traveling. And I remember before I got out of the car, I just started bawling, right? And that usually never happens. And, you know, he just kind of sat there, was looking at me. And I wasn't, like, bawling because of my best friend. I was bawling because of me, right? And then he's like, it's going to be okay, man. He's like, uh, being over there is temporary, all this stuff. And I wasn't even thinking about being away. I wasn't thinking about being overseas I wasn't thinking about none of that Lyra I was thinking I was like I'm not crying because of anything to do with anybody or my situation I'm crying because I'm thinking about how far I came and how I got to where I'm at right now you know I I was like that's a long time coming of just that grind, you know what I mean, that you're talking about, and everybody goes through it, and not that dwelling is ever a good thing, but sometimes it is okay to just take a look back to remember where you're going, you know, and I hope anybody listening just remembers that, think about how far you came, you know, don't give up now, you got this, you got this. You you literally have to sit in your feelings. You don't try to avoid them. Feel your feelings. It's gonna suck. But I promise you, it's definitely worth it. Of course. You're well angry. you're gonna be sad. We're human. It, 
Yeah, and I think the more you try to fight it, like you said, the more it's just going to build up and build up and build up. And then before you know it, you don't have control. You know, and you might, you might, you know, do actions or hurt yourself, or you might even hurt others, you know, by bottling all that stuff in, which is never a good thing, you know? So that's good, though. That's so good. Lyra's doing good. I feel like I'm doing good, but I am kind of got a little bit of, of anxiousness in me uh, for sure. And, my anxiety is coming through the roof because I'm about to start tech school in about two weeks, two-ish, two and a half weeks. And I'm going to get an assignment. And I don't know where yet. And that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty nerve-wracking. And I honestly don't mind like where it's at. If it's overseas, that's cool. If it's stateside, that's cool. I really don't have like a big preference. Um, but not knowing, you know, and the career field's small. Safety has a small career field. So it's not like they can go anywhere. So I can be stationed anywhere. But since the career field's small, I really don't have a choice on, like, you know, creating my own destiny like I would a cop, you know? Yeah, so, so it's like, oh, here we go. That's that's one thing that's nerve-wracking about it. But I'm praying about it. And, um it was a choice that I contemplated for a very long time and I decided to make it and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. So here we are. Speaking of the future, what does the future look like for you, Lyra Gibbs? Because we joined at the same time. We've <laughs> been around each other for most of our enlistment, you know, and that contract is coming up are we extending are we re-enlisting what are we doing talk to me so i already extended to be able to come here so my contract now ends uh april 2023 okay it's crazy that you asked that because i think about this like every single day because i'm just like ah, do i want to get out <laughs> do i want to retrain like do i want to extend again to see where they're going to send me after this it's just the unknowing that really just like doesn't sit right with me, which sure. I thought about if I were to take the, the getting out route, then I would try to do like get an air guard, um, active yeah. air guard job. So I just work Monday through Friday, but still technically be active duty. Uh -huh. um, without all the pressure of just like- Finding a slot, that's like the this. biggest thing, yeah. Which That's the biggest also, thing. I'd also Go ahead. be able to change my job. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, technically, that was the first route that I was trying to go. Not so much active duty guard. I was trying to get out, get out. And then, like, you know, work at the San Antonio Fire Department. And then, because uh, my best friend's a firefighter. And that was that was the plan initially, because we just, like, those emotions that we're talking about, right? Especially early on, we were just so ramped up with, you know, our job and the military. And, you know, it's not for everyone, but it's it's hard to um, to really control that. You know, you have a lot of animosity or just a certain type of emotion towards what you do. 
And I feel like it was never something that we had a passion for. A lot of us, you know, how many of our friends that we joined with are still in? Not, not very many. But I, I, uh, I went from, and this was all the span of two years, because when I was in Germany, I put short tours. I put Turkey at the bottom. I don't want to go to Turkey. I want to go back to Korea. I put Turkey at the bottom. I put these short tours so I could come back to here have what nine months left and then boom out of uh, the military easy transition well when i was in turkey i had a wonderful wonderful supervisor one of the best men i've ever met in my life by the name of master gilly and he said you know nick you're going to be successful no matter what you do because you work hard and you care about people but he said, I want you to follow your gut. But just ask yourself this. Is your beef with the Air Force or is your beef with your job that you're at? And I kind of just like was still on my, I'm getting out of the Air Force. But then when I get here, right, that's when stuff changes because I am stateside. And I'm like working and JBSA is busy all the time and I'm not even at Lackland I'm at Randolph but it's still busy and it's a different monster that if you were here Lyra I promise you you would you would absolutely not like it uh, it it's it's um it's pretty bad especially cuz a lot of staffs um we only have like two police patrols and everybody else works at gate so yeah, if I'm not at BDOC, which I rarely am. I mean, I just got certified, but yeah, you, you ride a gate a lot. And not that I'm better than that, but no matter who you are, we're working that gate every day. It can be a struggle and it's hard to, you know, deal with that. But that on top of getting a house, on top of a lot of things, I go, I went back to that question. Do I have... It's my beef with the big Air Force, which the Air Force does a lot for a lot of people. And anybody that is, before I say this, anybody that is trying or thinking about joining the military, it is a great stepping stone. It is a great career. It is a lot of great things. You just got to know what you're looking to get out of it, whether that is it being a stepping stone for school or travel whatever the case or whether that is something that you want to do long term but I don't think it's something that people know right off the bat unless you come from that heritage of military family or whatever the case may be I didn't know what I wanted to do right off the bat but going back to what um, my old supervisor told me and then I was like well let me try cross train right but I feel like when we were coming coming up it was like that was just not not heard of one in like every like a hundred maybe got accepted and that process was actually very difficult because when my crossing window opened I applied I got denied uh because they said they made a mistake I tried to go in medical and they said well we're not doing medical cross trains right now so I was like so I'm out of luck so I'm getting out right well I was like well if I'm getting out then I gotta think about guard stuff so I was calling recruiters but this is where that changes, right? I go from, I'm kidding out completely. So, okay, well, let me see if I get in the guard. And I talked about, I was talking to a recruiter about active duty guard, all the stuff. And he was basically saying, 
well, you got to have that slot. And that's, like, stressful. You know what I mean? Because, like, well, okay, well, if I'm banking on active duty guard and I don't get a slot, then where am I going to work, et cetera, et cetera. So I kept that contact in mind. He said, just wait a little bit until you're getting ready to separate. And once you start that process, then you can start the guard stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And then um, a good friend of mine, uh, Davila, shout out to her. She's a reservist on my flight that was uh, active or on orders, I guess. She told me that, uh, or she gave me an email to email um, somebody at APC to see if um, there's anything I could do about my retrain. And they got back to me and basically said that I my new quotas for all the jobs come out in August. So anybody that's trying to retrain or is retraining in the future, maybe in the years to come, every August the quotas, August 1st to be exact, the quotas for jobs come out in the Air Force and they get taken. So hence why in June there were no jobs except for a few medical ones. The rest of them were maintainers. And I applied and didn't get it because they had already, June, a year had already passed. They were working on the new list for the quotas. And so I wait till August. I tried to apply and then you have to shadow every job. So I went from picking five jobs. I think it was like safety, equal opportunity, paralegal, manpower, chaplain assistant. So uh, two jobs because they said, oh, you have to shadow. And some of them are like three to seven days. Some of them are 15 days. Some of them are 10. Well, I was like, well, let me narrow it down to safety and equal opportunity, which equal opportunity is like HR, basically human resources. And I talked to equal opportunity and they say, uh, well, it's going to be 15 days of like shadowing. And these quotas are going super fast. And I'm like, respectfully, I don't think I have 15 days. And safety was able to work with me and they only required, their minimum requirement is three. So I did the three days, but even working three days in a Panama schedule, on your off day, I think it was like 11 days straight, 13 or 11 days. Cause I started on a long week. <laughs> so I worked Monday, Tuesday, I was supposed to have Wednesday, Thursday off, but I went to safety all day, which I was there all day. Wednesday, Thursday, and then I worked weekend 12s, and then that Monday was my last day, so now like nine days, I guess, but um, plus a training day, so I worked Monday, and then a training day on that Tuesday, yeah, I did work, I did work like 12, 13 days straight, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah, and since EO was like, oh, 15 days, I did the math in my head, I was like, if I went and shadowed EO for 15 days straight it would take six weeks on a Panama schedule I was like there's only 25 uh, quotas uh, for safety and there was like 16 for EO at the time and the list had just dropped so I was like no 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 no, I don't have that kind of time so I just put my eggs in one basket and I applied for safety and safety only and by the grace of God I got it now if I wouldn't have got it and now it's like back to the drawing board and what do I do, et cetera, et cetera. But That's luckily, <laughs> but luckily I was fortunate enough to able to get that. And uh, I'm working on my um, extending slash 
re-enlisting process right now. Uh, I was super fortunate. So I hope, I hope, I hope you figure out, uh, what, 23? So you still got some time, what the move is. But you know, I'm always uh, wishing the best for you. Of course, as I do you. Oh, thank you. It's stressful. <laughs> it really is. And uh, we all have our different stressors in our life. I was thinking about this the other day, too, uh, before we close out. People always try to compare their, their lives to other people, and you can't do that. And then that's not just with, like, materialistic things or other things. I'm talking with stressors, right? Because people will look at somebody that's, you know, a Navy SEAL who's at war, right? Or in Afghanistan, like that's stressful. That's, that's you know, pretty bad. And then they'll look at, you know, a 13-year-old girl that broke up with her first boyfriend and she's like just bawling, you know what I mean? I can't get over this, this boy, whatever case. But when you think about it, like we only know what's in our world and not the earth, like our little world. So whatever's precious to us, if that gets taken away or, or broken or hurt, whatever, like people aren't mindful of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And I just want to put that message out there that remember everybody's world is different. Different things matter to different people. And sometimes you just got to be uh, sympathetic and empathetic to those kind of things. You'll never know what someone else is going through in their life, honestly. So. And, what, and what that means to them. You know, because if somebody's going through, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think, like, like a move, right, a PCS, right? We would probably take that a lot easier than the next person. Who knows? And then vice versa. But, uh, yeah, I really do appreciate your time, Lara. I really want to close it out. I do this every show. What if there was one message? And it doesn't, it could be about anything, right? But if you had one message to give out to the world or anybody listening, what would that message be? It doesn't have to be super inspirational. It could be funny. It could be a joke. I don't care what it is. Since I'm in my fitness journey right now, have that cheat day. Have that yeah. cheat day. But don't have it. a lifetime thing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love cookies. I'm like a cookie monster. So that's, I, I mess up a cookie. I think I work out because cookies exist, probably. Thanks. <laughs> no, I'm just fine. Well, before I uh, say my closing remarks, I just want to let everybody know I hit my Vin Diesel today. Shout out to this guy right here, uh, my father, for his uh, great genetics and hair. Just kidding. Um, same thing happened to him. But I'm at peace with it. And I'm at peace with my life. Like, I really do mean that. It took me a while to kind of accept that my hairline was wow, receding. But that's life, you know what I mean? We work with the hand that we're dealt, and we just keep doing the best we can. So... Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Lyra, I appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. 
down since day one. Always been a good friend of mine. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking me to be on this podcast. It was a pleasure. Of course. Till next time. Thank y'all. Have a good one. Bye.